If all the sky were a scroll, and if all the oceans were ink, if every stalk on earth were a pen, and if every man were a scribe by trade, to write the love, the greatness, the grace of God, but drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though it be stretched from sky to sky. We can never thank God or praise God enough for all that he has done. All we can do is just give him praise. Give him honor. And give him glory. I want to read today from the book of Job. Job 23 and 10. Where the word of the Lord says, He knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. Could we read that together? Read it with me. He knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. I want to speak today on the subject, the way that I take. Repeat that after me, please. The way that I take. You may be seated. Sister Blake and I are usually able to come together regarding whatever the destination is to be. Especially when we're going out to dinner, her culinary tastes are not always identical to mine. So we have to discuss which restaurant we're going to go to. When we come to agreement about which restaurant we're going to come or go to, then we also have to discuss What's the best way to get there? Of course, I'm a freeway man, and I love to get the nearest freeway and get to my destination. Sister Blake is a shortcut, back roads person. <laughs> so we have to come to an agreement regarding the route we're going to use to get where we want to go. Of course, the Bible says two cannot walk together except they be agreed. And I just want to warn you against getting with somebody that you cannot agree with. You cannot agree on the destination. Life is full of destinations. People want to know where they are going. They want to ex exercise some kind of control or influence regarding the destination. They carefully select where they're going on their honeymoon. Sister Blake and I got together on the destination. When we were engaged, she said, I would love to go to Bermuda for our honeymoon. I checked the airfare hotel bill. We went on back to my married student apartment at grad school in Atlanta. 
had our honeymoon right there on campus. Sometimes your money does not agree with your desired destination. Most of the people you see driving or catching the bus have a very definite, specific destination in mind. Geographically speaking, very few people just wander around with no particular destination. Those who do so consistently are called vagrants. And many communities have laws against vagrancy. But even though physical or geographic vagrants are in the minority, the vast majority of people in the world are vagrants just the same. They have no fixed course for their lives, no set goal, objective, or destination. Their lives have a fleeting, inconsistent quality about them. Birth, life, and death are all around us. Three million babies are born in the U.S. each year. 200 million people live and two million people die. Two million families are bereaved. Two million eulogies are presented. Two million graves are dug. These matters cross our minds occasionally, but most people really hesitate to think on or contemplate these matters because they feel such matters would spoil the fun or require too much effort. They refuse to descend to such profound depths of thought because it's much easier to think and live in the shallow world of the sensual and of the physical. But shallow thoughts lead to shallow conclusions or even false conclusions. Many men have subconsciously reached the conclusion that the end of their life is far off in the distant future, that they have some kind of lease on life that they can renew indefinitely. But the book of James informs the readers long ago and us today that life is but a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. And the Bible has much to say about the frailty and the brevity of life. The Bible says all flesh is grass. The Bible says there's but a step between me and death. The Bible says, Both not, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for you know not what a day may bring forth. The Bible says our days on earth are as a shadow. There is none abiding. Power, wealth, position mean absolutely nothing to death. This inevitable visitor enters the castle as readily as he does the lowly shack and kisses the millionaire as readily as he does the lowly beggar. The Bible says wise men die, likewise the fool and the brutish person perish and leave their wealth to others. All men are the same. The Bible says there is no man that hath power over death, no power over the spirit to retain the spirit even in the day of death. The Bible says it's once appointed unto men to die. And so we need to confront the fact 
that we are dying men. It's once appointed unto men to die. You're going to die. I'm going to die if Jesus delays. It may be today. It may be tomorrow. But be sure you have as many years as you would like to have because each of us is just a flicker of light between the long past and the eternal future. So the brevity of life and the inevitability of death should cause men to use what time they have in the pursuit of noble and worthwhile goals. Noble and worthwhile objectives should cause men to dedicate their thoughts to those things that matter. Learn what is the meaning and learn what is the purpose of life. Each individual determines the nature of his life. In this drama of life, we have one part to play and one time to play it. There has been no guest rehearsal. There will be no repeat performance. You can choose the role of the hero or the villain, or you can contribute for good or ill, or you may not contribute anything at all. You may be a leading actor or actress, or you just may be a part of the supporting cast. You don't have to be a star to be in God's show. What contribution are you making on the side of good, on the side of progress? Job in the text says, he knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I shall come forth like gold. In other words, Job said, I have chosen the course of my life. I've set the objective of my life. I'm on it. I'm moving toward it. There are individuals who have professional goals, individuals who have financial goals, individuals who have educational goals, and all of these goals are good, but they are not meaningful life goals, life purposes. Why do we exist? What is our purpose? To ascertain the purpose of a thing, you should ask the maker of that thing. We're not on earth by accident. We're not on earth by some purely natural process. God created us, and God reveals to us our purpose. The Bible says in Psalm 95 and 6, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. The Bible says in Psalm 100, verses 3, Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. We're his people and the sheep of his pasture. Therefore, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. God's word reveals that we exist to serve God, to worship God, and to glorify God. God said in Isaiah 43 and 7, I have created for my glory. I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. And then the apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, I want to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. 
God must be primary in our lives. He must be primary first because we are dependent on God. Acts 17 and 28 says, for in him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. No living, no moving, no being without God. But God must also be primary not only because we're dependent upon him, he must be primary because he is all wise. The wisdom of God is as high above the wisdom of men as are the heavens above the earth. He counts the number of stars. He calls them all by name. Great is our God and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. There's a way that seems right to a man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. And so trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding in all of your ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct your spirits. God must be primary, number one, because we're dependent upon him. Number two, because he is wise, all wise, infinitely wise. Number three, he must be primary because he is Alone, He alone can fulfill and satisfy the deep cravings of our soul and of our spirit. No one can really bring true contentment but God. And the psalmist said in Psalm 42, 1, As a deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And in John 6 and 68, Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we believe and assure that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. No one can satisfy, fulfill our spirits, but Almighty God. Augustine said, O oh God, our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. God must be primary not only because only he can really fulfill the needs of our soul and spirit. He must be primary because if you seek after God, make God your ruler and your king, everything else in life will find its proper place. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. And all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Is there anybody here who loves God today? Job said, he knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I shall come forth shining like gold. You may be struggling and fighting and wrestling to stand by the right choice. But be encouraged by the fact that God knows the choice you have made. You may be struggling, falling, getting up, trying again. But it's good that you've made a choice about the direction of your life, the goal, the destiny that life will pursue for you. You've made a choice, and you're doing your best to walk. And God knows what you're doing. He knows what you've decided and he'll be there to help you. How you see yourself is very significant. It makes a difference whether you see yourself as a bird or as a worm. 
If you see yourself as a worm, you'll always be on the ground. If you see yourself as a bird, you'll soar into the clouds. God knows your heart. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And you make the giant step towards success and victory when you have set a course, when you've determined a goal, when you've set a destiny. The Bible says in Philippians 2.13, it is God that works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. In other words, the same God that causes you to desire a goal, to desire a destiny, is one who does it. He's will and to do. He gives you the power to pursue that and to obtain that that you have dreamed to do in your heart. The Bible says if there's first a willing mind, it is acceptable. And so if you have a will to do right, to give glory to God, to walk in the will and in the way of God, God himself guarantees that he will help you to reach that goal. For he works both to will and to do. And if you're willing, how many of you want to bring glory to God? Want to walk in the right way? It's God that works for you to will. And Philippians 1.6 says, He who hath begun a good work in you shall perform it unto the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if God starts, if God gives you a righteous will, all of the omnipotence of God is available to you that you might pursue that goal that you have set in your hearts under the leading and power of God, and it shall come to pass. I said, it shall come to pass. You can do it. You can walk in God's way. You can bring glory to the name of God. You can bring lift and elevation to all life that is around you. Clap your hands and praise God for it. Oh, but some people, because they cannot fly, will not even try. They will not reach higher. They will say, listen, I'm destined to be on the ground. I'm destined to be a failure. I'm destined never to be a blessing to those who are around me. No good can really come out of my life. But you'll never learn to fly until you decide to try until you have in your heart a will to excel, a will to bring glory to the Lord. And I'd rather see you crying and falling, trying and falling, and getting up again, and falling again, and getting up again, and trying, than to see you deliberately wallowing in the mud. Some people, because they have no dream, no sense of destiny, literally give up on their lives. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. That is true. That's what the Bible says. But the order of experience is that we usually walk before we run. And we run before we fly. If, all, if you can't even walk, then I just want you to try. A baby learns how to walk by trying. Sometimes when she tries long enough or he tries long enough, then he starts walking. And after walking for a while, he's able to run all over the house. Nobody can keep up with him. 
And the pattern of the scripture says that if you walk and run, ultimately you'll be able to fly. They'll mount up on wings like eagles. Listen, stumble, walk, run, do whatever you can. God, by his power, has a wonderful destiny in store for you. And I see you going higher than you've ever gone before. Job had selected a course, the way that I take. And God knew the course that Job had taken. He knows the course that I take. In the face of malicious and scandalous accusations, evil-minded people accused him. But Job cried out, you can accuse me, but God knows the way that I take. People will always talk. People will always speculate. But I'm glad that God knows. Don't worry about anybody's talk. God never listens to anybody's talk. I know people may lie on you, they may gossip about you, they may accuse you, but is it not wonderful that God does not listen to gossip? God already has a whole story. He has the right story before they say a word. Do right and don't worry about people talking. Don't worry about what people think about you. The important thing is that God knows. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil, beholding the good. Proverbs 5, 21 says, The ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord. Jeremiah 23 and 24 says, Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill both heaven and earth. God knows. We're so worried about people, people-focused, people-centered. And we think if we can keep our business from people, then we've gotten away clean. But God knows. And God is the important person. He's the one you want to please. He's the one you want to impress. He knows. Not only does God know, but the unseen angels and even unseen devils and demons also know. Look at your neighbor and say, whatever you do, you do it before a big audience. Mm -hmm. You can hide from people, but you cannot hide from God. So Job says, he knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, well, everybody has to be tested. When he has tested me, Trials and difficulties don't mean that God is not watching you. A rough time in life does not mean that God does not have you on his mind. You may seem deprived and in trouble, but God has his eyes on you. Everybody has problems. Everybody has difficulties, both the saint and the sinner. But it's good to be able to look back on a good record when you face adversity. Some people are in adversity because of their own misconduct, because of their own misbehavior. They got themselves in the trouble that they're in, and their mess has gotten them into the mess that they are in. But it's good to be able to check the record and say, Lord, I can't find anything that I've done that would cause me to be in this predicament. I've loved you. I've served you. I, 
I've done your will. I've walked in your way. And that does not mean that the predicament will end immediately. It just means that you're pure before the Lord and the channel is open and you can pray and seek help from God and power from God in the midst of your distress. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. Satan's affliction provided for God a test for the proof of the quality of Job's commitment. And God wants to know whether our commitment is real, whether we really mean business in our walk for God. He wants to know. And so Job was tested. I want you to know time will test you. Adversity will test you. So you're being tested right now. How many of you know you're being tested? Deprivation will test you. Opposition will test you. And I've just come by to tell you today, you can't move to the next grade till you pass the test for the grade you're in right now. That's why some saints are still in kindergarten. They've been walking with the Lord for 25 years, but they have not even gotten to first grade yet because they flunked the kindergarten test. And the Lord says, take the course over again. Listen, I don't want to take courses over and over and over again. I want to get promoted to the higher and higher level in God. When he has tried me, Job said, when he has tried me, I shall come forth shining like gold. He didn't say shining like gold. He said, I'll come forth like gold. I'll shine, but I'll be the real stuff in the power of God. I shall come forth. In other words, I'll make it. I'll come out of this. Will you tell your neighbor, I'm going to make it. I'm going to come out of it. See, this is a promise of the word of God. God's word promises that God will bring you through and God will bring you out. The promise of God is that God will, though weeping may endure for a night, joy will come in the morning. The promise of God is let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap. If we faint not. Job was a wealthy man. Job was a well-to-do man. Everything was going right for Job. He was the richest man in the entire eastern part of the world. He had seven sons and three daughters. He had 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, a large household. He was the greatest in all of the east. His children were together, and that was a wonderful, peaceful, and harmonious family that they were a part of. But one day, the devil went to God and said, listen, Job is not really serving you because he loves you. He's serving you because you're so good to him, and you've got a hedge around him. And God said, all right, let's put him to the test and see what kind of man he really is. And God released Satan to destroy everything that Job had, all of his camels, all of his oxen, all of his possessions, all of his houses, all of his crops, all of his harvest. It was all destroyed in one day. In one day, his children were snatched away from them. And Job merely said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, he passed the test. Satan came before God and said, listen, look at my man, Job. He's a man of good character. He's retained his integrity. And though you've destroyed everything he has, he's still in love with me. He's still praising my name. 
Child of God, what do you do when it gets rough? What do you do when money is funny and your situation is difficult? What do you do when your life and your circumstances are adverse and troubled? Do we hear you crying? Do we hear you crying out in despair? Or do we hear you lifting up your hand and saying, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to say, bless the Lord. Say it again, bless the Lord. Job kept on holding on to God. The devil came back to God and said, listen, bone for bone, flesh for flesh, all that a man hath, he'll give for his life. If you let me touch his body, I know he'll curse you and die. And the Lord said, oh, I'll let Job take that test also. But look at your neighbor and say, it's just a test. Satan attacked the body of Job. A dreadful disease came upon him. His flesh began to actually rotten and fall from his body. It took shells to rub off excess skin and dead flesh from his body. His wife came to him and said, Job, why don't you just give up? You almost lost your whole life. Curse God and die. Oh, bless the Lord and praise the Lord. What a wife that was. What a wife. A good wife would have said, Job, hold on. A good wife would have said, Job, trust God. A good wife would have said, Job, God can bring you out of it. God is going to make everything come out all right. But she wanted Job to actually die. I don't know what her motivation, her whole psychology was. But Job said, you talk like a foolish woman. Should we receive only good and not evil from God? And I'm willing to accept whatever God brings into my life. That needs to be the philosophy and the attitude of every man, woman, boy, and girl who would serve the Lord. God, whatever happens in my life, I'm going to serve you. Whatever comes upon me, I'm going to love you. Whatever I've got to endure, I'm going to endure it in the name of Jesus Christ. Paul said, I'm determined that whatever state I am, therewith to be content. Doesn't mean I'm going to lack where I am, but it just means I'm not going to let where I am make me unhappy. I'm not going to let where I am stop me from serving God. I'm not going to let where I am stop me from believing in God. He knows the way that I take. And when he's tried me, I'm coming out of this. Will you look over toward your neighbor and say he knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I'm coming out of this. Clap your hands. Give praise to Almighty God. Oh, bless the name of God. And so Job held on and kept on trusting in God. He held on and persisted in his faith and in his commitment to Almighty God. Everything he endured did not cause him to speak negatively or critically about his God. He just kept on praising God, kept on blessing the name of God. Even in the midst of his distress, you might be in a troubled situation. You might be in an adverse situation, but keep on trusting in God. Keep on relying in God. You may look at your situation 
and say, I don't understand it. I don't know why I'm enduring this, but to be counted worthy of a test by God means that God must have some confidence in you. Oh, bless the Lord. To be counted worthy of a test by God must mean that God is taking you somewhere. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, God is taking you somewhere, but you can't go there until you pass the test. Job was tested, kept on praising God, kept on believing God. In the last chapter, things turned around. I said things turned around. Job's so-called friends had stood around and criticized and analyzed and prognosticated and said, Job, you're going through this because you're a sinner. You're going through this because there's something wrong in your life. Job said, no, no, no. There's nothing wrong in my life. I have not sinned against God. But whatever I'm going through, I'm going to praise God anyhow. Are there anyhow praisers in the house? People that won't complain. People that won't fret. They'll just keep on loving God. Keep on praising God. After a while, God showed up and said, Job, it was just a test. And to complete the test, Job had to pray for his enemies and for his criticizers. And the Bible says that the Lord turned the affliction of Job when he prayed for his friends. Folk may abuse you, but pray for them. They may accuse you, but pray for them. They may try to drag you down, but pray for them. And God will take you up higher. Job prayed for his friends. God began to work in Job's life. After a while, things began to come back into Job's life. Blessings began to come back that had been taken away from him. Now I've just come back to tell you tonight that whatever the devil has destroyed, God is able to give it back to you. After a while, God began to prosper him. He had lost oxen, but God gave him twice as many as he had lost. He had lost donkeys, but God gave him twice as many as he had lost. He had lost sheep, but God gave him twice as many as he had lost. He had lost family, but God gave him a family that was wonderful and twice as large as the family he had lost. He had lost a wife, but God gave him a wife that was twice as good as the wife he had had. The message of the text is, if you hold on in your adversity, God will give you double for your trouble. He knows, he knows the way that I take when he has tried me. I'm coming out of this. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, it might be rough for me, the load might be heavy, but I'm coming out, I'm coming over, I'm coming up in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah! Hold on! Hold on! 
situation around. If you wait on God, he'll renew your strength. You'll walk and not get weary. You'll run, not get tired. You'll mount up on wings just like an eagle. You may be down today, but I see you're going higher, higher by the power of God. The burden may be heavy, but keep on trusting God. Job was lifted out of his predicament by the power of God. But I've got something else for you. Jesus came all the way from heaven down. He hung on an old rugged cross for you and for me. He died for our sins. But on the third day morning, he arose from the dead with all power in the palm of his hand. And if Jesus could rise up out of death, I know God can pick you up out of your predicament. Tell your neighbor if Jesus could rise from the dead, God can pick you up out of your predicament. I know. Abundantly above all that we may ask of thee. Hold on, child of God. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. Joy is coming. Tell your neighbor, joy is coming. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Hallelujah. I shall come forth. I've got faith in God. I'm standing on God's word. If I trust God, God will bring me out. But not only was he trusting God, he had his mind made up. I'm not going to be defeated by what I'm going through. I know I'm a wreck, but God can fix wrecks. I know I'm down, but God can turn it around. I shall come out of this. I shall come forth. You've got to have your mind made up. I'm coming out of this. I'm coming out of this. I'm going to overcome this. I'm not going to be defeated. I'm not going to be destroyed. I'm going to make it in the name of Jesus. Somebody ought to praise him and give thanks to God. I see myself as an overcomer. I see myself coming out. I see myself coming over. I see myself victorious in the name of Jesus. Praise him. Praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. said, death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Those who saw him crucified 
saw him after his resurrection. He said to doubting Thomas, listen, put your hand in my side. Put your finger in my hand, the print of the nail. It's flesh and blood, I'm here. I'm your Lord. Be not doubtful, but believing. Those who saw him after his resurrection believed so firmly that he was alive that they were willing to die on his behalf. They gave their lives to traveling all over the world, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They wrote the gospels that we might understand and hear the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our Savior conquered death. He rose from the dead. This is the same Savior that gave Job the power to come out of his situation. It's the same Jesus that gives you power to walk in victory, to walk in overcoming power, to come out of your situation. The name of Jesus. Give praise to God. Praise him. Praise him. He knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I shall come forth like God. 